welcome to Orphaned Entertainment, the podcast dedicated to public domain and abandoned media. I'm your host, Christopher, and joining me as always is the woman whose impact on this show can't be understated. It's Lydia. Yeah, when we put our heads together, it makes a dull thud. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? Welcome. Oh, well, and always happy to be here. <laughs> uh, always happy to have you with me. This is awesome. <laughs> Before we go any further, I want to first thank everyone for tuning in and make sure they know that they can uh, subscribe to this show on pretty much any podcast app or location of your choice. I'm sure we're on things that I don't even know about. Wherever you listen to the show, if you have an option to do so, please rate and review the show because it'll help get uh, this show into other people's ear holes and that would be awesome. If you're a Facebook user, there's a group that you can join and this is a great place to find out what we're going to be covering next and an easy place to leave any comments on the films or episodes. We have a YouTube channel, which you can also subscribe to. Just go to YouTube and search for Orphaned Entertainment, and there you can watch many of the films we've covered here on the podcast. If you'd like to email us with any comments, suggestions, or feedback on this or any episode, please type or record a message and send it to orphanedentertainment at gmail.com. All these links are on our webpage over at orphanedentertainment.com. So with that, let's listen to a five-minute mystery. Not one we produced yet. Uh, we really need to get our heads together. Speaking of, speaking of getting <laughs> our heads together, doing a dull thud. I did, I did print it out and start making notes on, on some that I have to actually make it into something that I can share <laughs> with you. But let's listen to one of the original five-minute mysteries and a promo for another podcast. And when we return, we will discuss 1949's Impact. <laughs> Another five-minute mystery. I just decided that working for the police department is very ratifying, especially even more so when it gets to spree passes to the psychist. The word is gratifying, nimble-brained. A ratify means to put your stamp of approval on something. So that's what I said. With me, it's very much okay. When I was a kid, I was always crazy to join a psychist. You know, Pepper, sometimes I wonder... Yeah? Oh, never mind. Inspector Craig, I've been looking everywhere for you. Oh, hello, Denny. Pepper and I want to thank you for the passes. I think the big show is better than ever this year. I'm afraid I'm not going to be much of a host, Inspector. It seems the snake charmer's been found dead and... Murder? It looks like suicide. I'd like you to run over with me and give it a routine check. Sorry to bust in on your fun this way. Looks like suicide to me, all right, Inspector. An open and shut case, as far as I'm concerned. It's so hard to believe. Dorothy... You own part interest in the circus, don't you, Brian? That's right, Inspector. Nat, Brian, and I are partners. Nat, I, I can't tell you how sorry I am. Thanks. How long were you and Mrs. Brian married? Not long. I can't believe she'd do a thing like this. She was the uh, snake charmer, right? Yes. Uh, suppose you tell us how it happened, Brian, so we can get the facts straight. Well, lately, Dorothy and I... Well, that is, there have been disagreements... Quarrels. There was some talk about a trapeze artist, is that it? Yes. Dorothy was insanely jealous and thought I was interested in a little tightrope walker. Were you? No. There never was anyone else for me but Dorothy. And now... All right, go on. 
I came here late this afternoon to get her to listen to reason. She refused to be reasonable. It was quite a scene, and finally she got up and ran into the dressing room. Yes, yes, I see. These tents are divided into little rooms. It's very clever. You were out here, is that it? Yes. And she went into what could be called the other room. All right, go on. I had no idea what she intended to do. Otherwise, I... I just can't seem to realize... We understand. Of course we do, Nat. Go on. Well, that's all there is. She shot herself. And I was sitting here all the time. After a while, I got up and left. I... I was seen coming from this direction by several people. That's why I came and told you this. I didn't want the police to think I was hiding anything. You did the right thing, of course. This uh, tent is set apart some distance from the others, isn't it? Yes. No one wanted to be near the snake charmer's tent, in case any of them got loose. That accounts for no one hearing the shot. There's one thing I don't get. How is it you didn't hear the sound of a gun going off? I told you it was late afternoon, feeding time for the animals. Dorothy's tent is next to the giraffe's. They were making such a racket hollering for their food, I couldn't hear. Inspector, if I may make so bold as to make a remark here, this guy is, to put it bluntly, an awful liar. Why, how do you... Are you sure? Plain as the nose on my face. Well, that's plain enough for me. Hold still, Brian. Don't make a move. In a moment, Pepper will reveal the clue that led him to believe it was murder, not suicide. But first... Have you ever been reading through a sack of comics and thought, maybe I should see what the Sarkham Asylum game is all about? Or been playing Marvel vs. Capcom and felt like you were at a real disadvantage since you didn't know who half the characters were? Well, Play Comics is the show for you. I'm Chris, and each episode we take a look at video games based on comic properties and how well they stick to that source material. So whether you know the comics and want to know how all these games work, or you know the games and want to find out where all this craziness came from, go check out Play Comics at playcomics.com or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Now, back to our story. You better explain, Pepper. How do you know he's lying? Because giraffes is like turtles. They don't make noises. <laughs> Brother, is he dumb? Good work, Pepper. Okay, Brian, you're under arrest. Impact, the force with which two lives come together, sometimes for good, sometimes for evil. That sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that in your in the your wedding vows? I, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know you were there. <laughs> Plot centers on a San Francisco industrialist, Walter Williams, as he becomes the target in a plot to murder him by his unfaithful wife, Irene, and her lover, Jim Torrance. Through chance and circumstance, Walter survives the attempt, but it results in the accidental death of the lover. The body, burned beyond recognition, is mistaken for Walter. After realizing what has happened and who was behind it, Walter settles down in Larkspur, Idaho as Bill Walker, where he finds work, friendship, and a little more with the local gas station owner, the widow, Marsha Peters. Meanwhile, the police, after finding some suspicious evidence leaking back to Irene, charge her with the possible murder of Walter, which he follows in the papers for several months. He eventually admits to Marcia who he is and what happened. Marcia convinces him to try to do the right thing and not let Irene suffer for a crime that didn't happen. Well, not exactly anyway. And together they travel to San Francisco. 
With the help of a sympathetic police detective, they try to set the record straight. The film was directed by Arthur Lubin and stars Brian Donlevy, Ella Raines, and Helen Walker. Filmed entirely in California, the film includes scenes filmed in Sausalito, San Francisco's Fisherman's Wharf, and other locations around the city, as well as Larkspur, California, standing in for Larkspur, Idaho. And I have a hard time saying Larkspur. <laughs> it's Larkspur. a lot of R's followed by S's. <laughs> Larkspur. Brian Donlevy began his career in New York City in the early 20s, appearing in many theater productions and also winning a number of silent film parts. Before he found his way to the stage and screen, he had modeled for the illustrator C.J. or J.C. Liondecker, who produced illustrations for the famous Arrow Collar advertisements. So he was a advertisement model. How about that? So if you see any uh, collar sh- uh, Arrow Collar shirt uh, ads from the 1920s, that might be Brian Donlevy. Once he made his way to film, he worked steadily probably most often in tough guy parts and B-pictures, but also appearing in many A-level films, even being nominated for a supporting actor Oscar for his role as Sergeant Markov and Bo Jest. Starring in the Hammer Films production of The Quatermass Experiment, or The Creeping Unknown here in the States, and in the sequel, Quatermass 2. While the character, as originally written by Nigel Neal, was British, Hammer Studio thought he'd appeal to a U.S. audience. Neil himself disliked his portrayal, referring to him as a former Hollywood heavy gone to seed. Don Levy worked up until a couple years before his death. His final film was 1969's Pit Stop. He was diagnosed with and treated for throat cancer in 1971 and died from the disease in 1972. Strange and unfortunate coincidence, his co-star here, Ella Raines, also ended up dying of throat cancer uh, in 1988. So smoking, kids, it's bad for you. Don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do it. Uh, He has a long career, just uh, lots and lots of film credits, and as well as I think he did a lot of television as well. And I think you could kind of see where people would see him as being right for a lot of different parts, especially sort of that uh, the imposing character. Mm -hmm. He has an imposing presence and an imposing voice, I think. The strong male lead. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, maybe not the most emotive actor in the world. I don't know if he's really cut out for the romantic lead, but yeah, he does a fine job in this. <laughs> That's all the backstory or anything I had. I, there wasn't a whole lot on the film. Yeah, so I mean, just starting about some of the cast, starting with Brian Brian Donlevy. Have you do you know if you've seen him in anything else prior to this? I think we covered Quater, the Quatermass Experiment way back in the day <laughs> um it, no we actually did we did the uh the bbc um tv serial quatermass in the pit yes which did not star of. brian donlevy so no. so it was, you were talking about that i was scrambling to think did i see him in that but it, it's interesting as i was going through the cast on this i intentionally i had to look them up because even though they each had an air of familiarity about them i couldn't place any of them in I have seen only one of them in very much else. And um, I know that we've talked before about my one of my favorite films of all time, The Lady Eve, and Lieutenant Quincy, whose name I have to look up because I completely Char- forgot. Charles Coburn. Thank you. Uh, and, and Charles Coburn was in that. He plays uh, the 
the father <laughs> in uh he, he's phenomenal in it. it i've seen him in so many things you've seen him in something if you've ever seen any movie made before 1960 you have seen him in something but uh everybody else was uh, un- basically unknown to me which really surprised me because they all seem very familiar right yeah I, even the, the the brian donlevy it's kind of like Oh, I, I I know that name. I've I've must have seen you know bunches of films of his. And no, I I saw the Hammer uh, Quatermass mm-hmm. uh, experiment, or yeah, if that's what I said. Yeah. And <laughs> that's mostly it. Um, I think there was like one other film that I saw him in, and um, I'm blanking on it now. I'd have to I'd have to actually go and look to, to find <laughs> to remember which one it was. It's a name that I recognize, and it's a name that just registers with me for some reason, but Mm -hmm. I haven't seen a lot of his work. Well, interestingly to me, he strongly resembles a more sort of dour Clark Gable. And there are moments in it where I thought when Zac Efron is in his 50s or 60s, he's going to look exactly like this man. So he's actually the love child of Clark Gable and Zac Efron, in case you're wondering. (laughs) 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 But but yeah, he he has that, that voice that you immediately recognize but it's so it just reminds you so strongly of a few other actors with those really kind of captivating voices i think Um, i think it's funny you said that you said clark gable he does have the appearance of clark gable but his voice it kept throwing me to like sometimes the way he would talk and everything he's like it almost feels a little bit like um i just went out of his name just left my head Casablanca, uh, African Queen. Yeah, Humphrey he Bogart sounds so much like Humphrey Bogart. I agree. I'm glad it wasn't just me. Yeah, no, well, and then you kind of get mixed up with it a little bit because he has the looks. He looks very similar to Clark Gable, and so yeah. it, it, if you stuck Humphrey Bogart's, if uh, maybe he's the love child of Humphrey Bogart and Clark Gable, <laughs> 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 but. Uh, yeah, he, he, he feels really familiar because he kind of harkens to these other very well-known actors that, of course, we've all seen. But but I I didn't mind him. I didn't feel like he was a poor man's Clark Gable. I felt like he was... He had a presence enough on his own. I didn't feel cheated. I didn't feel like, oh, so-and-so would have been a better a better pick for this character. I felt like he was well-selected. Well yeah, no, I think so. I think there is a little bit of uh, quality about him that just makes him sort of the um, the generic actor. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing about him that really... See, that's just it. We're, we're saying, oh, Brian Delevingne, and we're thinking of Clark Gable. Right. We're thinking of Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> we're thinking about this person. It's like, there's really nothing here that says, oh, this is Brian Dunleavy. It's just we're thinking of all these things that he reminds us of. I feel like he's probably been the bad guy in several Westerns. Like he's been the wealthy land, the wealthy, you know, cattle herder in a well, bunch yeah, of exactly. westerns. Yeah, exactly. He probably and he and he has he has done a lot of westerns. He <laughs> often does play the heavy. You know, you could definitely see that he's definitely got that kind of presence and that kind of voice yes. where he looks like someone that's going to call you out into the street at yes, noon. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So interestingly, they cast him uh, against Ella Raines as Marsha Peters, who is the widow mrs peters in the small town he goes to she also just looks like an evil person she doesn't look like an evil person but she looks like the femme fatale that would have been cast she could have she's got those piercing eyes and especially when the couple times where she would like uh had she was wearing her hair kind of back and and really close Mm -hmm. and then with those piercing eyes yeah you definitely see her and it's Uh interesting the the 
for lack of a better word, evil wife, <laughs> played by uh, played by Irene Williams, looks like who would typically be the the sweet girl next door that he would meet in the small town. Exactly, she's she's the one that looks like she should be in like every romantic comedy yes. of the of the era. And I right. actually I really enjoyed that about these two characters because the woman who it has you know been playing him along for these six years and he's completely devoted to is she looks like this perfect angel and she's just stringing him him along she's this horrible person but you can see how she got him to that point because she looks super sweet and she acts really sweet when she wants to she's just Mm -hmm. you know that that kind of well obviously that duplicitous nature is hidden behind that very beautiful very innocent sort of round sweet face it's an interesting choice you if they had cast somebody like Ella Raines as Irene, it would have been too obvious. It would have been so heavy-handed. Right. If you if you had swapped if you had swapped the female roles mm-hmm. or the or the actors, mm-hmm. yeah, you definitely would. You take one look at her and go, oh, she's up to something. Yes. Yeah. And and how did he ever trust her? Obviously, she looks evil. Where right taking the person they did, it was like, oh yeah, you can see how he would. You know, obviously he's a devoted husband at first. He buys her jewelry. He really wants her to go with him on this trip. And, you know, she has managed to string him along very well. And it's not hard to see why. Yeah, it almost hits you as a bit of a surprise when you find out that she's behind this, that she's doing this. Even though you read the plot and you know what's supposed to happen, you see her, (laughs) you see the way they act together. you You see her seemingly just be completely in love with this guy. And you're like, no, maybe I got, if I got the right movie. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I, and I appreciated that about this, even later on in the plot where she's very openly showing her true colors. Of course, we as the Mm. audience know the other people in the room, except for he don't know the other people, except for he don't know. That sounded like horrible grammar. It was not, that was correct by the way, (laughs) except for him don't know. (laughs) I'm going to move on. <laughs> but you can you can see how she would be able to pull this off where somebody that looked less innocent wouldn't be able to do so. And, and in the end, too, I don't want to get too far into it, but as Marsha gets involved and as she begins, she, she comes into the story and is already a determined, intelligent, hardworking woman. And it works it it's at first or not even at first as i watched it i kind of was like wow that's interesting because i really like her character but traditionally she looks like the person they would have cast as the evil woman so Mm -hmm. it's i like how they switched it up on this i like that it you know beauty doesn't equal good in this movie and not not beauty they're both beautiful women but you know the appearance of innocence doesn't equal innocence in this movie i really like that the movie itself as far as plot goes is i've i don't know if i've ever seen a movie that you could literally say there's three parts (laughs) you know i mean this this is a movie of three acts kind of thing (laughs) i mean there's like three very separate things that that go on there's the the sort of the murder plot and the you know that leads up to the that uh, the, the attempted murder scene, yes. and, yeah exactly <laughs> and then it's just like okay that stops and now let's have this little this little romance that goes on for another third of the film mm-hmm. you're like okay all right 
and then suddenly that stops courtroom drama (laughs) (laughs) it does feel like three distinct (laughs) movies which is it's partly confusing but it was interesting this is an hour and 51 minute movie if i'm not mistaken this is a a long and long movie for this time period yeah 1949 and 150 some minutes yeah Yeah, i was like it's a long time and is it 151 minutes i think so 151 150 i thought it's 111 minutes Okay, okay. Sorry. 111 minutes. No, no, yeah. you're right. So, so this is... So you're right, hour and 50. But, I, it I is, was, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. but it is still longer. We're used to movies that are an hour and 20 or an hour and 30 minutes long from this period. Or it, honestly, at this time period, even less. Yes. I mean, we're, we've, we've, hit, we've hit the, you know, 60, 70 minute movies fairly often. Mm-hmm. And, and you would expect uh, a intermission in the middle of this viewing almost. <laughs> it is that long yeah. of a movie. But interestingly, even though it, it, even though it has these very three distinct feels in feelings in this movie, you don't feel like it's disjointed, and you also don't feel like there's a whole lot that's not pertinent to the story. Right. Yeah. One actually does manage to find itself flowing into the other fairly organically. That mm-hmm. nothing really feels like it's been forced or shoehorned mm-hmm. to get from one little plot point or uh, story element to another mm. there's there's I think in what we would call the romantic section there is a little lag but only from the pacing I don't think from the storytelling standpoint well it feels like a lag because you have you know the murder plot thing which has to be kind of quickly paced mm-hmm. you, you know things have to happen because this is like action film mm-hmm. you know this is crime drama it's or intense. whatever yeah. and then the courtroom drama again you know you have to have this uh you got to keep everyone's attention because now this like i said it's a courtroom <laughs> Where drama people so you have asleep. to yes <laughs> yeah and so and you got the police investigation and uh, all you know and finding the answers and this and that so i think the only reason that the romance feels like a little bit of a of a a slowdown well because it it is only because it's the way it's sandwiched in, be, in between these two much Quicker more paced. kind of faster paced mm-hmm. uh elements yeah that actually i agree with that that makes that's that is logic speech <laughs> if it were just the romance it would have been at, you wouldn't have noticed any pacing change that's, that, that's true. just the way it would have been and it is interesting i i was thinking about that the second time i viewed it it's not you don't often see in this kind it it would be a straight film noir if it weren't for the romance in it but because they add that element which becomes an important element to the story it it doesn't feel as heavy as a film noir typically would so it's it's interesting it's it feels a bit unique to me for that reason it doesn't feel like a cookie cutter movie no absolutely not and i can't think of anything else that really kind of makes these biggest shifts Mm -hmm. within a film and actually goes with them as long as they do yeah. in each part mm-hmm. uh, other than this one. Yeah, I can't either. Not off the top of my head. I was just looking. The uh, cinematographer for this thing is uh, Ernest Laszlo, which is a name that sounded familiar to me. We actually, we've watched a film uh, prior uh, that was cinematographer for, for uh, he did the cinematography for as well. Uh, he did DOA, which we did a while back. And then he would go on to do some amazing uh, work and some huge films. Um, Judgment at Nuremberg. It's a mad, 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 mad world. <laughs> Fantastic Voyage. 
I guess that's not really related to this to the story or the pacing. I mean, uh, it just it just jumped out. Sorry. No, it, but as far as out. this being a unique a movie, that is a question. Like, you know, what it, there also interestingly in it, there are moments. There's there's a very especially the central section. There's a very big hearkening back to Sullivan's travels in the center of this. Mm-hmm. The the whole part, of course, you know. Aside from the obvious parallel of him sustaining an injury and then, you know, traveling along and and going and assuming or having, you know, another identity thrust upon him or assuming another identity and then eventually being restored to, you know, at least his original persona, his original uh, identity. There's a lot of it that feels very similar in the filming of it. There's a lot of the the passage of time shown by him walking or uh, I, I'm, I'm doing a bad job of explaining this, <laughs> but it's interesting because it's, again, it, it's the cinematography in it. It doesn't feel disjointed. It doesn't feel hacky. It feels, it's done rather elegantly. I think there's nothing in it that I was watching and thought, Oh, that was an awkward shot or that was an awkward cut. Mm-hmm. Or I feel like they're missing a section here you used the word flowed and I think it, it flowed through all different portions or all different aspects of the film. Looking up the uh, director of the film, which is uh, Arthur Lubin, it was about midway in his career. He would go on to direct, and what's funny, I, th- I think is kind of funny, is probably the most things that he directed after this are the Francis the Talking Mule movies. Oh, that's funny. Well, I saw he did Mr. <laughs> Ed and yeah. some Bonanza and Maverick, the TV series, which is really funny. None of those feel similar to this movie in any respect. You're looking for like some con- you know, connecting thread from one movie to another for him, and no, no, you're not really going to find that. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. I, I As I mentioned, I, I looked at the director, I looked at the writer, I looked at the actors, and none of them, I, I didn't, there, I would see like a one-off here or there, but for the most part, I had never heard of or seen anything that they had done before. So it, it was interesting. I think this is the first movie where I literally one person involved in the entire film was familiar to me. Even uh, even Sue Lin, I looked her up to see. Maybe I saw her. Nope. <laughs> Not nope. a single thing. <laughs> now, I did see a couple of movies that she was in that I am interested in seeing, especially mm-hmm. in the late 20s. There were a couple. but Yeah, apparently this is the first film. She uh, took a, a long hiatus from uh from film to before she did this one. This mm-hmm. was the film that kind of like brought her back into into Hollywood. She had taken a big break. Interesting. Um, yeah, very interesting for a role that, while small, was in, pretty important pretty by pivotal. the end of the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very. Yeah, I don't want to get into too much of the big plot points or whatever, but I did like the way the storytelling, you know, the audience knows a lot more than the characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the film, we're, we're on the same page. You know, the characters and the audience are kind of like, everybody knows what's what's going on. Mm-hmm. But it's it's towards that end where it's like, um, everyone's looking for Su Lin because she thinks she could be the big witness to, to help our, our hero. <laughs> and we're like, and we're and the audience is sitting there going, oh, don't find Su Lin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be bad. It is, it's interesting. There's, yeah, it's funny. I like I, I feel like this is a strange movie for me. I want to be able to talk about it, but it feels like there's so little I could say that wouldn't 
give away something. I mean, we already know that the wife is trying to, to have him killed. We already know mm-hmm. that she doesn't succeed. And we already know that eventually, after some time, he goes back <laughs> to try and set things right. But it's interesting. I think listening, like reading the synopsis for this, this was not the movie that I expected. I expected. I expected a reconciliation or something. Definitely don't think I would have expected a reconciliation. I think I definitely was not expecting that that third part of the film. Yeah. I think this was going to be a, oh, she's going to get her comeuppance and never know the truth. And he's going to go on and live happily ever after yes, with his you know, new that girlfriend. That is what I expected. Yeah. Really thought that's where we were going to go. Even and if yeah, the just, third act yeah, of the film just took me by surprise. Yeah, even if he got his divorce, because of course, at this period of time, both people had to consent to a divorce. It did not go the way I thought it would. Right. <laughs> so it, but, but I feel like there's so little that we can say without kind of giving away the the drama of the third act right which is in my opinion worth experiencing yeah uh, and i think there is certainly many elements of the film when it comes down to the crime element of it i think there is um it's really well written the fact that the the stories that they're each telling and you're looking at the evidence and you're like god they're right i mean they they don't have enough to convict her on that. That's not enough. But although I do think that in a lot of ways, the way it kind of twists around on him, don't think they really had, would have had enough to convict him either. Yeah. It seems like there was a lot of circumstantial evidence on both <laughs> ends. It's like, man, I, I just don't know how this trial would have gone. Yeah. <laughs> I think you could have, they could have actually even taken this film down a, like a, a darker path. Like you said, you know, both parties would have to agree to a divorce. And so you could go through like two different trials, both come up with uh, no convictions, but she wouldn't want to give up the money, which is what she wanted in the first place. Mm-hmm. So she wouldn't agree to a divorce, mm-hmm. even if he wanted one because she wanted, she tried to have him killed. Well, like, and there's well, wouldn't proof it be, I she, mean, she admitted to having an affair, so he probably could have obtained a divorce on those grounds. It was known uh, she'd had an affair. Oh, that's true. That's possible. I was just thinking that just a darker turn would be these poor people stuck together. <laughs> they made <laughs> that movie, each other. and I hated it. <laughs> Gone Girl, by the way. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> not to give that one away, but... Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, was, it is interesting. I think they did a really strong job watching it both times. I didn't see any obvious real gap in the the intentional lack of evidence against either person. She did a very good job. Irene does a great job of setting him up and keeping there from being any anybody that could corroborate her having anything involved in it. The only person that knows about her illicit involvement it, or I'm sorry, implicit involvement is her her lover, her boyfriend, and of course you know, he doesn't make it that far into the movie. Right. He and, disappears as far as everyone in the film's concerned. Right. Right. We've seen enough movies in this podcast that are a little bit sloppy that where we've had questions and be like, no, somebody would have noticed this. Somebody would have noticed that. Even with the the circumstances that make it possible for uh, for Walter to escape being killed, there still is not enough information from anybody else to say 
you know, oh no, his story is completely false, or oh no, her story is completely false. So they have bits and pieces. They uh, they did a really good job at that. So even though, as you said, the audience knows more than the characters do, the audience still doesn't have all the details that they need until the very end. And even then, it is uh, you, you have to know all the pieces to know how the end is going to turn out. I like the element in the story. Now, I always like this in, in different in the crime dramas, you know, whether or television shows, is when you've got the the police detective, or in this case, Lieutenant Quincy, who is just, he's going by his gut. He just knows something's not right. I'm going to keep looking at it a little bit. He could have easily walked away with this and yes. going, my job's done. It's yeah. it, it's in trial. I'm a police officer. I don't, I don't you know, it's it's in court. It's not it's my problem anymore. Hands, yep. Right. But he doesn't. He's like, no, there's something about this that bugs me, and I'm going to keep looking into it. Yeah. And that's what ends up saving the day. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting. There are a couple of things in this movie that I really liked that really have nothing to do with the movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One thing is uh, I I liked, I did like that. I liked that you didn't have just a lazy cop that was just trying to put somebody behind bars. And he even says it at one point. He says, you think that we're just about, um, you know, prosecuting people. But really, we want to know what the truth is. I love that personification of him, especially for for a an actor who has played such a variety of different parts i like him as just the real determined really clever uh detective in this i like that i like that e- even though marcia is obviously in love with walter it doesn't get like super stinky <laughs> he's he's still a stand-up guy she's still a you know a responsible adult woman and they they don't unnecessarily complicate their lives by by getting involved and making it really easy for Irene to just say, oh, no, she's in on it, too, you know, which I I sort of expected her to do at one point. And then there, there was one thing totally not related to the plot at all that I loved. And it's when they go to they're trying to find Sue Lin. Of course, they can't find her anywhere. And her uh, her uncle, they go to his house and his name, I think his name is uh, Asun. His, uh, his name but I love it because the the detective Quincy he goes and he, he says we're, we're looking for Su Lin uh, you are Sing understand you savvy English also French Italian and Hebrew may one ask what is desired we're looking for Su Lin Chung a Chinese consul said you were her uncle and might tell us where she is this daughter of my brother, has she offended the honorable police? Oh, no. They just wanted to ask her some questions about Mr. Williams, the man she used to work for. Ah Sing's heart is heavy that he cannot lead you to her. But things that are not known cannot be told. Well, if you hear anything of her, report it to headquarters. <laughs> and you're like, I love it. I love the personification in 1949 of a very highly educated Chinese man. I love it. Nothing to do with the plot at all, but it made me really happy to see that because it would have been so easy for them to make him, you know, the stereotype. I did like that as well, but there was still a lot of the uh, the Chinese Oh, Su Lin can't say, you know, yes. the, the talking in third person <laughs> thing, you know. So there was a little bit, it's kind of like, okay, they uh, they make him like, oh, okay, he's a real intelligent, you know, 
you know, Chinese national, well you know, living in San Francisco, but you're still going to fall under the whole... The, you're going to skip a the, couple the, of... <laughs> cons- oh, you're you're yeah. still going to do the Charlie Chan thing to them, huh? And, and they, they <laughs> did. It, it was... Le- the second time I watched it, it was more like he was speaking in Maxim than being a horrible racial slur. <laughs> so I think, I think the more times I watched it, the more I felt like he was treated much better than he would typically have been at this time. I think he was. I, I think uh, Su Lin, though, I think was the one that I felt was the... the where following... she's speaking in third person. And that was yeah. an interesting one. There, There's a part where Su Lin is looking for something, and she is speaking... I, I, I apologize. I can't tell Mandarin from Chinese from... Uh, I'm sorry, I I can't. But so she's speaking in her native language, and then she she switches back and forth to English, and it was interesting because I think it gave you this really. I think it it added to her character the the knowledge that even though she's this trusted employee, she still is aware of her own position and concerned that. She that her word will be mistrusted, mm. um, and I'm probably reading so much more into this than the character <laughs> was ever intended to have. But but I f- it was interesting because initially I just thought, oh, you know, she's just uh, of Asian descent. It's so hard to say anything these days. But she said, you know, I don't want to, you know, say anything that somebody might misconstrue. But she's you know of Asian descent, of Chinese descent, and. And you just think, oh, she's just of Chinese descent. You don't think anything about it until you go and they meet her uncle. And you see, oh, no, mm-hmm. not only is she of Chinese descent, like, she's Chinese. Like, she is full on, you know, right, an right. immigrant. They mention, is she, you know, she's uh, she's been naturalized. So mm-hmm. so I think that's interesting. It, it may not have been intentional, but I think that it added to the concern of her character, th- her background. So it's, right, it's yeah. interesting that things that I suppose we read way more into in today's, you know, social climate than probably was ever intended from a night. Yeah, no, exactly. I know, I know what you mean, because it, I don't think it was in this film, but you could easily see where a modern rewrite would have her concerned about saying anything for fear that it would end up, you know, uh, damaging her, her station here in the States yes. and be deported back to China yes, or something. Yeah. Um, and and she mentions how how you know Mr. Williams was always very kind to her and her family back in China. She even says it. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, if it, it, it feels like it would have been a much bigger part of the plot if it were remade as you said. But even mm-hmm. so I didn't feel like uh, I, I felt like it was interest it was an interesting kind of dichotomy because you know early on in the movie she walks in into the situation where it seems like Walter is yelling at his wife. And, you know, being the, the good servant that she is, she just quietly removes herself from the situation, which would be appropriate in any time, in any you know situation for a servant to take that action. It, she doesn't bring up until much later how much she likes Walter. Right. So it's, it, it, so it adds another. There, they, there are many elements in this movie where they give you a piece of the information early on and then much later you're like oh oh that actually is irene's boyfriend oh i didn't know that (laughs) you know oh oh and and there's a part where walter calls aunt margaret who is used as the scapegoat for getting uh 
Jim, the boyfriend, into Walter's good graces. We have a circuit now, sir. Evanston. Calling Mrs. Margaret Hubbard's residence in Evanston. One moment, please. Hello? Mrs. Margaret Hubbard? Yes? Who's this? Long distance. I have a call for Mr. James Torrance. Who? Mr. James Torrance. He's her nephew, Jim Torrance. The call is for your nephew, Jim Torrance. I haven't any nephew, and I don't know any Jim Torrance. Sir, uh, Mrs. Hubbard says she doesn't... Oh, not until then do you have even a little bit more information. Oh, Aunt Margaret actually exists. Like I had early on, she says, oh, you know, you remember my old, my aunt, you know, he says, oh yeah, Aunt Margaret, how much money this time? And you kind of immediately think, oh, she's scamming him out of money. Like she's saying she's sending it to relatives, but she, but Irene's not really doing it. But no, there really is an Aunt Margaret. So so they add these little bits as you go through that I think keeps you engaged in the plot without Mm -hmm. giving too much away. You know, just, just enough to know when the character is in danger but without knowing how he's going to get out of that danger. One of the things that I find a little like, mm, okay, you know, this is plot shorthand kind of thing, is the uh, how convenient it was because he's describing what he went in and told, you know, the, the, the board at the company it doesn't want to <laughs> buy these factories. Yeah. And he, he walks in to the, uh, to the meeting and says, you either buy these factories or I'll go somewhere and, and run them with somebody else. And they go, okay, okay, we'll buy them. Mm-hmm. So, but how you get, you know, how are you going to get the price? I already bought them. You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> and then he's, so he's, now he's back home and he's telling his wife and he decides, oh, and this is what I did. And he, I, I, you'll do what I say or I'm out of here. And Find then yourself he, a new he, boy. Yeah. You're right. Exactly. And he's, he's just standing with his, with his arms and he knocks over a vase and it breaks. Mm-hmm. And that's you know that's where you were talking about soon lee hears this and mm-hmm. think and just backs off or whatever because she can't see it she only hears it because it's happening in the bedroom mm-hmm. well then like three months have passed before now he's confronting her and she's using that as well he he yelled at me and and you know threw a, a vase at me and was like really you're gonna remember that from that just seemed like a really a convenient circumstance and for you to actually remember that that happened mm-hmm. to be able to use it for you you know in this in this in this fake case against him well i think that kind of speaks to how scheming she is because even at the time when he knocks it over he's like oh i'm so sorry he goes he starts to clean up and she says oh no leave it i'll have su lin clean it up and Mm -hmm. and he's like okay you know that's that's when you're rich and you have servants that's what you do you have the servants clean stuff up right and so he doesn't question it at the time and i can see how it would feel a little too convenient, but I can also see how a woman who has been scheming against her husband probably for some time and who clearly, I mean, this is a woman that wrote the same inscription on the same photo of herself to two different men. She oh, yeah. has a, she has a formula she works. She doesn't, she's, she 
is clever because she is practiced at being clever. So I can see how she would she would think, oh right, oh yeah, he yelled at me. Oh right, I'll tell you know I'll I'll say, oh yeah, Sulin had to clean up a vase that he threw at me. I it yeah you can you can question it, but then I think in her case. A woman that can turn around and see that she, that her dead husband is alive and not completely lose her mind mm-hmm. is also one that's capable of twisting details from the past. And and the the speed with which she thinks up the whole you you know you threatened me if I you know you asked me for a divorce and you threatened me if I didn't give him up as my lover if she's able to think that up on her feet 30 seconds after she has found out that her dead husband is not actually dead. I feel like a little, you know, vase breakage is <laughs> minor. Actually, like some kudos and applause to Helen Walker for that scene where she comes into the, the you know, the, the police chief's or the prosecutor's yeah. office and she sees everyone's looking behind her. So she does that, you know, she mm-hmm. slowly turns to look over her shoulder and sees him the look on her face mm-hmm. and then you could see it in her eyes it's kind of like she sees it and then you could see the How look in her face the- she is thinking of something yes. you know you suddenly the gears start turning and you can see that yeah. in her expression yeah so like wow and i think that's, that's good that's it would have been character. really easy it would have been really easy for an actress to turn around and just go, oh, I'm surprised. Right. And and then and then go into the story about, oh, but yeah, you you wanted me to break up with my boyfriend. Like, yes. Oh, okay. What, not where, when, when did you have time to think of that? No, yeah. she turns around and see it and you think, oh, she is working. Her brain is, you know, on overtime. Yeah. She's coming up with something now. I think yeah. I I think that can be attributed in large part to the direction in this movie because there's another scene it's obviously not identical but it's very similar and it's after walter hangs up from talk from putting through a what they used to call a trunk i suppose it's not a trunk call if you're not on a boat he's putting through a collect call to aunt margaret and of course aunt margaret doesn't know who's on the other end of the collect call she just says i don't have a nephew and right. and he you know he staggers away as an overdramatization he you know shuffles away dejected and there's this long while that he is like processing and you see it on his face that he's processing and then he just crumbles and starts crying i think that's the scene where the whole time he his brain is telling him your wife tried to kill have you yes. killed yeah and it's like his heart is saying no there's no no way. that can't that yeah. th- that can't be true you know and that moment and that moment when he makes that call and she's like well i don't have a nephew and i definitely don't know anyone that's you know by yeah. the by that name and hangs up and you know the operator sir she says and he just drops the phone yeah. that's the moment when the heart went Oh crap! You're right. She really, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. up until then, you could still make the argument. Yeah, uh, there, there really is a nephew, and this other person just took advantage of me. There's no, my wife would never send a person to kill me. It must have been a case of mistaken identity, and at that point, there's no question about it. He right. was set up. Yep, and, and that's the moment where he realizes it. Yeah, that he finally accepts it. I think. Yeah, is, and is the word see, I was looking for to see him crumbling like that. It. In most cases, you would say, look, this is a guy that can walk into a boardroom and completely rout 
10 men that are his seniors. This guy's not going to crumble like this. But early on in the movie, you know, she says, oh, you're such a softy. And he says, no, I only have one soft spot and it's you. And, mm-hmm. and, it, and you can see where he has this really stonewall projection to everybody else except her. And she is the one person he thinks he can trust implicitly. And so when he crumbles at that moment and starts crying, it's like, oh, man, like, oh, it sucks <laughs> to be you, dude. Oh, my gosh. This is, like, oh, uh, it's and, and it's it it sets up the rest of the movie. If he weren't that completely and it's funny i think there are two parts to it i think first of all he's very madly in love with her but second of all he takes her for granted he takes for granted that she is in love with him too and that's what Mm. puts him in this position if he ever doubted her devotion he never could have been taken advantage of like this and so it's it to see in any other movie his utter dejection from this and his just walking away from his life of obvious wealth would be unbelievable but but he has already said you're the one thing that i care about so it i think they set it up well i think they that again i think that every person that was cast in this movie wasn't the person maybe that you would initially just obviously pick I feel that way strongly about Lieutenant Quincy. I think typically they would have put a younger man in his position. But having him as the guy that's going to retire next year and has seen everything, later on he's able to say, you know, Mrs. Williams, I went with her through her whole, you know, mourning widow phase. I don't trust her. There's something wrong with her. And a younger man would have been sucked in by her very easily. You had to have the older man. And maybe even into her bed. Oh, I mean, easily. she's the type of yeah, <laughs> easily, she's super the easily. type of person that if she thought that someone was getting suspicious, she would try to. She'd she'd write him an inscription on a photo and give it to him. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Need a new shirt? Yeah, here, let <laughs> me your get initials? a monogram for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she does the same pattern on everything. It's it's yeah. very like it's it's it makes it all the more disturbing because she it's almost like she just doesn't even care yeah it's almost like she wasn't even hiding it i mean she she felt like they were far enough apart or separated that she didn't even have to like hide the fact that it was the exact she was doing the same thing yes she thought there was no chance they would ever cross paths yeah right and so she just just duplicates whatever it's it's very i it's interesting because i mean that's the kind of woman that i think all men fear (laughs) (laughs) becoming involved with particularly because you can't tell how devious she is but then also because to her men are interchangeable when one is pleasing her in this department she'll keep him and when the other one stops pleasing her in that department she'll get rid of him and she'll just swap him out like a different dress for a different party I think you definitely get the impression after meeting and um, learning a little bit more about the kind of person that Walter Williams is is his lifestyle and everything it was most likely her lifestyle to satisfy her i totally agree that apartment of theirs i mean she they could have left the vase crumbled on the floor because they could have walked around for walked a year before actually (laughs) finding themselves (laughs) yeah because every room was an enormous space you almost you would need a uh, intercom system from one end of the couch to the other in the living room. <laughs> I love that couch. Oh, I love the decorations in this apartment. Not not crazy about the seashell chairs, but watch it again. You'll notice the sweeping wave of the backs of the chairs. <laughs> yes. Because when he gets to uh, Larkspur, Idaho, mm-hmm. 
you know, and he he's wandering through, and he he meets up with uh, with Marcia. You know, she's banging with a wood mallet on <laughs> it, it, on an engine for some reason. Have a heart stung. You trying to wreck that engine? Sure. It's a hobby of mine. The way you're going at it, you can't miss. Here. I just can't let you ruin that beautiful motor. You better lay off until the boss gets back. I'm the boss. I guess the new cars are a little bit over my head. Now, with a jalopy, it's different. Aren't there any mechanics around here you can hire? No, we all went over to the new factory in Mansville. I guess they got better wages. Tough break. Yeah. How much do I owe you? Oh, forget it. Well, I'll be shoving along. Well, at least have a cook in the house. You might as well. Marsha, can I use your phone a minute, please? Sure, help yourself, Uncle Ben. You never arranged before the tours. Six five oh, please. Flat tire this morning. Now the danged engine stalled on me. Nice and cold. Wilson's garage? No, I did not give you the wrong number. Fine thing using my phone to cheat me out of repair bills. Aren't you ashamed? You gave me the wrong number. There's six five oh, please. You're a nice girl, Marsha Peters, and your ma's a fine woman. And I'll always buy my gas and oil here. But you ain't never gonna tinker with my car again. Busy? Busy. Always busy. <laughs> Wait a minute. We're not so busy. Would you like to do another good deed and give Uncle Ben a hand? Why not? Where is your car, mister? Maybe I can help you. Why, are you a good mechanic? Very good. And very reasonable. Well, just what you need, girl. Better hire him. It's an idea, Uncle Ben. Come on. Thanks for the coke. Sure. And he lives for months. You know, this is a man who has given up probably millions of dollars. Oh, yeah, easily. And it that isn't him. Mm-hmm. You know, he's an engineer. Mm-hmm. He's a mechanic. He's an engineer. He's just, he's just a, a normal person mm-hmm. who just happened to fall into the position that gave him a lot of wealth. Mm-hmm. But the wealth didn't make him. Mm-hmm. And I really like that. In fact, he just lives like I... I just need a you know room and board. Yeah. If you can tell me where to go, I don't need much. And yeah, it's just he needs a bed and some food, mm-hmm. and 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 good work. That's and all I he love, needed. Yeah, he literally walks away with the clothes on his back. And yes, and for us now, I thought about that at one point today. We would find that unbelievable, totally unthinkable. But especially in this era, coming out of the Second World War, and and especially for a man who at his age had lived through the Depression. Like this is like I said, you know, there's a big hearkening back to Sullivan's travels in this. It's just a person with just the clothes on their back in that day could have done for themselves completely fine. Uh, today we think, you know, we have to have all this other complication. We have to have multiple changes of clothes, and we have to have a big house and all that. And for him, it's like really, I just need a room and something to keep me busy to keep my mind off of this stuff. Right. And it's admirable, I think. I think you're exactly right that all of that stuff is for her. And he has clearly devoted his life to making her happy. Mm-hmm. And once that's gone, he just doesn't care about anything. Right. No, I just really like that element of his character. I agree. That 
you know, he didn't need, he didn't miss any of the wealth. Mm -hmm. You you at no point got any impression like, well, gee, if it was, if I could get a hold of my bank account, you know, I could save the, I could save the town or something. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Probably would have really liked to have had that car back because apparently, well, that went up in flames, but apparently that was a very rare uh, a roadster, unfortunately. It's a sweet so. looking little car. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. I think all all the characters in this are in their own right very interesting. I love that that, that Marsha is a widow. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I, sad I wanted for her, to but. yeah, I wanted to ask you about her, about uh, her character, the idea. I mean, that's something I don't know if I've I've seen that either. Is the the idea of the 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 widow from the war who maintains your husband's business you know even though she's ill suited for the work yeah well and i you know we obviously we know from stories that that's that women went to work during that time period you know when you're when your man left you kept working the farm you know you you kept running the store you did whatever it was that you had to do to keep things running until he could come back and she says you know we had all these plans and i just felt like he would want me to keep going and i love that i love that you've got Mm -hmm. these these characters that I love that she her mother she lives with her mother and she's got this great relationship with her mother and her mother is this she's not this backwoods hick that's judgmental against this stranger she's just this really good person that helps her neighbors out and will feed a you know a stranger that needs it I love the oh well my mom knows knows all the stuff in the town she can she'll know where to put you up and then she calls her like well she's gonna have to meet you first (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) so i i I love i think initially of course you know the way that he meets marcia i kind of went ah yeah okay new love interest let's see how this goes but at no point does it feel like he's leaping from this horrible situation into another woman's arms which i would never respect it from from any perspective for anybody movie or not i would always look at that and go you know what learn to be yourself first but i do really appreciate that they they develop this this boss and and employee relationship but also a friendship and Mm -hmm. it's not he it doesn't feel like he's just a desperate guy looking for another woman i love that she's she's content when he walks into her life she is doing the best she can with what she has and she's not looking for anybody to save her i love i love how strong marcia is i love that a large portion of this movie is her pushing forward what he needs to have happen yeah yeah. and he just sits there i mean not not in a derogatory way he just is like, what's going to happen to me is going to happen to me. And she's like, no, no, I know there's a solution. And I love, I really appreciate that for two acts of this movie, maybe that's not accurate, but for large portions of this movie, this plot is driven by the two female characters, the two, mm-hmm. well, the three female characters. Yeah. Yeah. If you throw in Sue Lin. Mm-hmm. In fact, I, I think... I'm trying to think if there's anything that Walter does aside from walking away from his life for three months that actually has much of an effect on this movie. It really doesn't. He no. pretty much is a, a reactionary character. He is, which is interesting because you're still very caught up in what's going to happen to him. You don't, you know, just throw him out with the garbage just because he's not proactive. But it is, I hadn't thought of it in the terms before that, yeah, the women in this movie drive 
all of it. And that that's mm-hmm. an interesting that's an interesting motivator uh, in in any time period, I think. And it's interesting. I think for me, it's particularly interesting because it's not obvious. It's not pushed in your face. They're not like, here's right. a movie about three women struggling against one another. There's a movie called, um, I can't think of what it's called. A great movie with June Allison and Ava Gardner in it. And Leslie Nielsen, interestingly. But um, and that's one where the movie is all about the women. It's just about what's happening with the women. And they're struggling over the men. Like, they're fighting like cats over the men. And I love that this movie is not like that. There's a place for that kind of movie. I'm guessing that movie is probably 20 years uh, newer, though. You know, later, or after this film. It, interestingly, I think it's about 10 years later. Oh, okay. Now I got to think what that's called great movie i haven't been able to find it anywhere in a couple of decades mm. but, but yeah for 1949 to see uh, you know the women being the driving forces and the men being just kind of doing what they say or not doing anything at all <laughs> yeah is very interesting the opposite sex that's what it's called ah the opposite sex mm-hmm. okay so uh, um, so yeah but a very different kind of feeling from this one even though the women are the main characters and are are the the proponents of the plot in both situations it's a very very different feel no everybody all the characters are very seem to be very um they know kind of who they are they know confident they're very confident in who they are mm-hmm. i like that you were talking about um uh walter uh and uh, marcia and how their relationship builds to just being strangers to being you know employee and boss and then friend and they acknowledge that there's something more, but neither one acts on that because he's still a married man. Yes. I, and I love her moment. Her aha moment is when she looks at him and says, you're still married, aren't you? Or you're married, aren't mm-hmm. you? And he says, yeah. And and she's like, ah, now I get why you've been so arm's length with me. Right. And, and I like it because they're interested in each other, but... You know, obviously, he's got a lot to deal with. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Attempted murder and all that. <laughs> yeah. Now, a lot of that may be, you know, Hayes Code kind of, you know, censor thing. You know, you can't have your married man, you know, going off. Well, well actually, you probably Irene could. is having an affair. That's but, true. But she's also not the hero of the movie. So, yeah, that's right, an interesting right. question. She's not technically the good guy. <laughs> right. Yeah, and the fact that, that even if he did... Would the audiences have blamed him? You know, his right. wife tried to have uh, him killed. Yeah. Well, and he says that later on, she deserves everything she gets. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and certainly, especially in that era, and even now, we don't want to see, we don't feel like it's justified to do evil things just because somebody else does something evil to us. Right. Certainly, I hope right. we don't feel that way. <laughs> it's interesting. We watched a movie recently, uh, a couple of months ago, where I think we were talking about it, and we felt like every character was miscast. And so mm. what a change to go from that where we're just going, I just think they could have, they must have been able to go up with somebody better for this to this where it feels like nobody was cast because they were somebody's buddy. Everybody was cast because the way that the movie was envisioned required mm-hmm. that person for the character. And possibly even cast with a little bit of thought, like you were saying very early on with okay, let's put this woman in this role and this woman in that role because, you know, let's make the really beautiful one that looks like she should be the romantic lead. Mm -hmm. 
let's make her evil. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I hope, I'd like to think that that kind of thought actually went into I it. I hope so too. And I have to think so because there are so many movies in this <clears throat> era where obviously, I, I mean, <laughs> think of any monster, any creature film from the 1930s and 40s. Anytime there's a, a female vampire cast, they're going to look like Marsha. Yes. You know, <laughs> and the, fem, you know, the, the tragic woman that needs to be saved is always, always going to look like Irene. And so I, I have to think there was some intentionality in that. Yeah, I guarantee you the creature from the Black Lagoon wouldn't have even looked <laughs> twice at, at, at Marsha, but you know, <laughs> You get you give them you give them a blonde bombshell. Those darn blondes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, it, I think I I think this is a movie that I watched it twice all the way through, and it's one that I I feel like if I watched it another two or three or four times, I would come back even more impressed by it. I don't oh, feel like it's one that fades with multiple watchings. I think you probably pick up more details because it seems like it was well thought out and plotted right. all the time. Yeah. The only downside, the only thing that um, would keep me from watching this kind of casually again is probably the length. I mean, the, you do mm-hmm. have to, you That's do have exactly to find, oh, I, I got two, I have to have two hours that I really <laughs> don't have anything to do to to watch this again whereas some other the films that we've watched that are just the 60 70 minutes i got that time i'd like to watch that again yeah Yeah. absolutely the laundry's running i can sit down for right (laughs) but this one does though has those great the the great points so it's like it's got a first and second and third act that's like really kind of like hardline stop so you could kind of watch the first 40 minutes of this film and go okay it's time for lunch or i'll pick it up tomorrow (laughs) Uh, and 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 watch the next night, and then you know watch that next act, and then okay, we're getting to the courtroom stuff. I think I'll pick, I'll I'll watch that tomorrow. Right, you, you could do that. Yeah, it is interesting. I think I think there, this is a good movie, in in from the perspective of even if you know what the basic plot is as you're watching it, if if you, if you hadn't sat through this podcast already, uh, you would <laughs> as it unfolds your taken you're turned in a different direction and and so yeah it it makes it easy to break up into palatable sections but it also keeps you very engrossed i think i think i already said that i apologize i'm repeating myself which means we're probably getting close to the end of our conversation (laughs) yep but i think it's worth a watch it's not one that that you're gonna sit down unless again unless you've already listened to this podcast you're not gonna sit down and watch it and go oh yeah i knew it was gonna happen right from the very beginning and I, I appreciate that. It's a film noir unlike any I've seen before. <laughs> and it does have some twists. And, you know, the um, the solutions for most of the characters are not immediately what you th- you would walk into this movie expecting. Yeah. So I, I do appreciate that. I like that there is... It keeps you surprised, I guess. Yes. Yeah, You you definitely don't expect the characters responsible for specific twists to be the characters that are responsible for it. Even if you foresaw how it's going to work out, you're going to think somebody else is going to be the one doing it. And so I, and and I don't want to get too into it. Uh, That's one of the things that, you know, we talked about them looking for Sue Lin and not being able to find her. And that's one of the things that I liked so much about it is how 
them looking for her gets resolved and i love that you're in mm-hmm. no point are you are you going you know i and, and you know you expect you expect sue lynn to show up and and say oh he was yelling at the missus you know he's a bad man and that you know it, it right. just doesn't unfold the way that it would typically unfold in i think a movie of this era so i appreciate i appreciate it yep and i won't give away the the final ending or anything but i have to admit that the final ending i didn't expect how the movie actually ends i agree i agree so yeah it's just it's refreshing to find a movie that you expect it to be so cookie cutter and and end up being just like oh 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 okay that wasn't yeah i'm not disappointed it didn't turn into a, a train wreck <laughs> I didn't walk away feeling completely unsatisfied with the two hours of Ben Affleck being twisted around by this woman and then being forced to stay married to her at the end thank you very much <laughs> hated that movie I just hated it but <laughs> but yeah it ended it ended in a way that is satisfying I think though not completely predictable right there you go thank you Predictab- like this podcast predictability <laughs> Is, yeah, predictability is, is kind of the, uh, the the key word that you're not going to find in this film. Yeah, in, and in a good way, for sure. So I think we kind of gave our final thoughts, so we need to put some oathfuls on this. <laughs> and I have to admit, this is another one of those ones where it's kind of hard. <laughs> this is, I think, the first movie in a little while that I actually kind of knew coming into this conversation where I thought I would rate it. And I, I'm actually going to jump right in. I, I would like to give it four stars. And I think because it's a satisfying movie to watch, it's, it's funny. It's called Impact, <laughs> which is... <laughs> yeah, aside from the name, which... <laughs> which is not as bad as some, some of the movies we watch. The names are just like, they were just, it was just... <laughs> still a daft name <laughs> it is it's uh, there are moments of impact in this movie uh most notably the car hitting the oil tanker that's an impact <laughs> yeah. uh so there uh, you know there you can argue you know there's the impact of him and being married to irene and then of her meeting her lover and then there's of him meeting Marsha. you know there you can argue for the title at least unlike some movies we've seen recently the only reason that I am not saying this is a five, you absolutely have to watch it, is almost because it's satis- It's so satisfying that it doesn't feel shockingly groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. It's just satisfying. It's just a movie that as you're watching it, you're like, oh, I didn't see, I didn't really expect it to go that way. At no point is your mind completely blown away by what's happened. At the same time, there's nothing in it that feels disjointed or poorly done. There's no poor casting. The music doesn't feel ridiculous. <laughs> for what, There's, I think, one point where the music's a bit off. I thought maybe there was an ice cream truck rolling into the scene and it never <laughs> appeared. But for the most part, you know, everything technically in it, uh, I think that the casting was done, if it was done with as much thought as we are speculating it may have been done, it was excellent. I almost, the only reason I don't want to give it five stars is because I don't have a reason to give it five stars. Yeah, no, I, no, I completely <laughs> five understand. Opals, I'm sorry. No, I completely so, understand. I, it is a movie that I would say, if you would like to watch a movie that you kind of have to pay attention to, 
and that you have two hours to sit down and watch a movie, but don't expect your life to be changed by it. I think that's probably the one reason, because it didn't make me completely rethink my mental or emotional relationship with anything. Maybe I'm maybe my standards are too high, but <laughs> but I, I think that's the only thing lacking from it is just that it's it's just a very satisfying movie to watch. So it completely deserves four Othels, but it didn't transform me. So I can't I don't wanna give it five. Yeah, okay, no, no, I completely understand. <laughs> I think when I came into this before I sit down to to talk to you about it, I think my head was probably on a three for some of the same reasons that you were saying, because it was like, it was good, and there, there's no real marks against it that I can think of, but it's still not like the, you don't sit there at the end and just go with your mouth open, like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I, what did I just watch? And you, 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 you're you scrambling for the remote to watch it again, yeah. or anything. It's, it's not that kind of film. There is some really great stuff. There is some some good writing. There's some great characters. Mm-hmm. I still think Brian Donlevy is just, and maybe it's only because you've got such strong women, mm. you don't want or need a, a man <laughs> with a real strong personality. Now, maybe you don't want anyone that's really going to steal the show kind of thing. So you want that sort of um, almost milk toast, just, you know, could be anybody kind of guy. I don't know. He He's probably the only thing that is like, there are even there are even moments, and maybe that was just the character where he should be reacting, and I think he he just sits there and that's not true. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's it. Nothing. I mean, he's so even keeled throughout the whole thing. I, I I don't know the right word to 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 use to really describe him. He's just sort of bland. But there is still so much else to like about it. Um. The police lieutenant, I think, is fantastic. He honestly steals the film in many in many places. He certainly steals many scenes. I want I want you to get your your rating out before I ask this question. I have a question though. <laughs> I will give it another half. I'll give it a three and a half. I think I understand all your reasoning, and I think I agree with your reasoning. It's just my baseline. I think was just already a little lower. But having talked about it and really kind of exploring some of the the ideas and and uh, hopefully, like you said, hopefully the thought that went into it, um, I'd still give a, a little bump up. So let me ask you this: You mentioned that you feel like Brian Donlevy in this is a bit of a bland choice. What if they had put somebody very emotive, like James Stewart, as the main character? How different would this movie have been? Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Then, I, although you know that when you say that, I think that would um, that would be distracting in this film. I think if you had someone like Jim it's, Stewart who was like going off and you know, wah 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 wah, she tried to kill me. You know, Susan's pedals. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's yeah, the 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 intense reactions you know it's interesting i i think maybe that's kind of refining it for me if this had been a hitchcock movie you would have had that kind of really intense emotional reaction you would have had those shots throughout the movie and it would have felt like a much more intense film and so i almost i almost feel like that's 
why I don't want to give it five stars, not because every not because every movie that Alfred Hitchcock ever made was genius, but because this movie is, as I said, it's satisfying, but it's not just gripping. Like it's it, it's like it, and there's nothing wrong with it. And and I think if we didn't have other movies you know, uh, other actors to compare it to, I think we'd be extremely satisfied with it. I just keep coming back to that word satisfied. Well, and I think that's the perfect description for this film. It's satisfactory. Yeah. Satisfying in the way that if you've ever read a romance novel and enjoyed it, <laughs> which there are a couple out there, there, not a lot maybe, but there are a couple out there where you read it and you get to the end and you're like, yeah, I wanted those two people to end up together. Mm-hmm. And then there are others where you read it and you're like, why am I reading this? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And this was not a why am I watching this this junk movie? It was, a, yeah, I, I wanted this to happen that way. Oh, I didn't really see it going that way. But it, it's also not like, a, oh, I hate this movie. I don't want to finish watching it. And it also wasn't, a, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen next? You want to know. But you want to know in the way that you want to know what happens to Fanny Price, not the way that you want to know what happens to Elizabeth Bennet. <laughs> so <laughs> it's it it's just satisfying. It's not gripping. So so it's interesting. That's I think that's probably why I don't want to give it five stars is because it doesn't have that strong emotional involvement that that other movies that we've seen do. Yeah. So. But still, part of me thinks though, if you had someone like you were describing, you know, especially in the in the male lead, that would be no, it would be a totally it'd be totally different, different and you'd almost be sitting there yeah. going, "Ooh, dude, dial it down a notch," you know. <laughs> I'm here saying I need yeah, this guy definitely. to be a little bit more reactive or a little bit more emotion, you know. But then, like you said, if you go too far, you go like, "Whoa, dude, come on!" Right, right. Well, it need, it, it's like it, it, it. So the Thin Man series is a good example of a, movies that fe- that are paced a little bit more similarly to this. William Powell, of course, is just wonderful. He's right, right behind David Niven <laughs> in my in my little black book. But um, <laughs> sorry. Well, but, alphabetically. Um, <laughs> alphabetically. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm just thinking about David Niven, <laughs> but it, it the there's like that added little bit of humor in the Thin Man series. So you know you don't know every all the details of the mystery in it, similar to this one. But they, there's it, there's just a little bit more to give it a little oomph. There's a little bit of humor. There's a little bit of drama, and so. So yeah, it, it's not that this movie is lacking anything. It's hard to explain. Yeah. It's not lacking. It just doesn't have anything extra. I I think if you broke this one into into its three parts and tried to rate them, I think they'd all get different ratings. Um, That's very true. Know, it, I agree with it, that one hundred percent. This, if this were just a romance between uh, Walter and Marcia, it'd get a three or or probably a three. You think? Just a flat you three. think? I think, it, well, actually, no, as a romance, yeah. it is not a gripping romance at all. But as these two people in this situation, I really like them. Absolutely. Together. I think but it'd be a feel good. You'd, you'd end up with the movie just feeling really good that you watch these two and you watch them, their relationship develop and you watch them, their friendship, and then you see that they. But I'd be disappointed. Mm. I would want more passion. Oh, okay. There's not enough passion for me. I want. Uh, 
I want John Wayne to grab Maureen O'Hara and whip her around and smooch her real hard, <laughs> okay. you know. And, and and there's none of that in their in this relationship. Right. So as a romance, I would feel like it's lacking. But as a reprieve from a psychotic, murderous wife, Marsh is great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's fabulous. She's exactly what's yeah. needed. <laughs> sort of, again, going back on final thoughts and everything, too, I don't want to re-loop the podcast or anything. <laughs> but I think she's a great character, and this is a great relationship, because she gets to know him as just this guy in this small mm-hmm. town and not this millionaire mm-hmm. industrialist or whatever. You feel like... Yeah he'll be able to continue to trust her because you can see where this would damage him yes. with with women altogether oh am i can i trust you or are you just going to try to kill me too are, are you going to be yes. after my money <laughs> and she learns who he is without having the money yeah she meets him as a homeless right and, st- and I mean, that's what exactly he is. and yeah. still falls for him anyway mm-hmm. and is willing to go to almost any means in order to help him, you know, at the end, in the, in the end of the film. And so I think that's like the perfect woman for him at this point. But if you took that segment of the movie alone and compared it, say, to Angel, the Angel and the Badman, you're going to say, oh, no, Angel and the Badman is the way better yeah. romance. Like, hands yeah, down, that's such true. a better romance. Yeah. So in any of these, it's interesting. If, they, if you held them up alone, they're mediocre, but the way that they're woven together, I think, makes them a better story than they would be in their individual. Absolutely, reasons. and they definitely get extra points for the fact that they are, you know, three very separate type of films that get smushed together. And sometimes, I think I'll say most times, that doesn't work. That no, it ends I, up I being kind of like, God, why did you work. just stick with one thing? <laughs> we had another movie recently where it felt like they were two completely disjointed movies, and we were going, why? Right. Like, what happened here? <laughs> It, it, it's it's funny. It's like the last several you know months of our podcast have been these movies that are disappointment after disappointment, and this one has grabbed all of those complaints we had and and resolved them in one movie. And so it should be a five, but it's still, <laughs> it's still not. not. It just <laughs> but that I I do want to reiterate though. This is a movie that I would I would recommend that you watch. I think this is a solid movie. I think these are all actors that did not become super famous you're not going to see them if in anything else you're not going to see them in much else with one notable exception and it 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 actually i think maybe makes it more worth the watching because they're not you're not going to say oh yeah that was clark gable i loved him in this i loved him in that you're going to just say oh yeah i saw this really great movie with this with these actors in it and this is maybe this is the movie they're all known for Maybe this is the best movie they all did. Right. So it, it is worth seeing for that reason. Yeah, all right. Well, I think we need to probably put this one to bed before we relo- We literally do start the podcast over. <laughs> um, yeah, and if we keep talking, I would probably be talked into giving it a full four as well. But <laughs> <laughs> So I have one more point to make. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> But yeah, that is going to do it for us, and that is going to do it for 1949's Impact. I, I still want that. <laughs> and yes, if you have any comments or suggestions or anything, please reach out to us on either the Facebook group or at orphanedentertainment at gmail.com. Lydia, thank you so much. As always, it's been a pleasure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
through me as well. Thank you, Christopher. And, and thanks for not trying to murder your podcast partner. And <laughs> well, I do have that angelic face, so <laughs> yeah, watch your back. <laughs> All right, that's it. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Goodbye. Bye. I love that we just ended that with the murder threat. <laughs> All right, and stop.